Hi, and welcome to Soul Powerful Parables, stories of rhyme, reason, and God's truth. I'm your host, Dana Buck. Thanks for listening. And if you like the story, please consider subscribing and give us a five-star rating where you enjoy your podcasts. It really helps us. We'd also love to hear from you, so contact us on Facebook at Soul Powerful Parables. Now, settle in, and let's have a story. Bigger Barns, a So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Luke 12, verse 16 through 19. Through this parable, Jesus teaches that our capacity for generosity is often a reflection of our heart. Bigger Barns, a So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. There once was a man with a thriving plantation, fully plowed fields and complete irrigation, hundreds of acres traversing the county, this overlord living in unrivaled bounty. Riding his horse to a neighboring hill, he takes it all in from his barns to his mill. A river, serene in its gradual run, shimmers and shines in the rays of the sun. Great satisfaction expands in his chest. He admires his holdings from here to the west. But pride-induced feelings get lost and released as his gaze settles narrow and grim to the east. For there, beyond meadow and picturesque ground, where no stately manor or villa is found, confined to a section of commonplace land, lie the hovels and homes of the farm's hired hands. He can't understand or approve of their kind, building their huts from whatever they find. Children half-clothed with no shoes on their feet and living on cooking that he'd never eat. He judges their lives and considers them wasteful, ill-mannered, uncultured, low-brow, and distasteful. From sweaty fandangos and noisy fiestas to bead-counting prayers and quite lazy siestas. Yet, truth be told, his rank opinions emit from a deep-seated knowledge he'll never admit. This comfortable wealth he so greatly enjoys all comes through the work of this folk he employs. And so, like a house that disdains its foundation, he stiffens his back in unspoken frustration. And treating these thoughts like an unseemly jest turns away from the east and looks back to the West. Down in the village to greetings of neighbors, a man returns home from a day of hard labor. Trudging through streets, barren, dusty, and bleak, the markings of earth on his hands and his cheeks. 
Walking at last through a rough wooden door, he smiles at his children arranged on the floor. His son with a papa so happily calls, while his daughter looks up where she's playing with dolls. Hugging them both and then kissing their heads, he looks to his wife holding needle and thread. Her calloused and overworked hands are attending a garment that clearly looks way beyond mending. Smiling the burden-worn smile of the weary, she forces her voice to sound happy and cheery. Husband, I'm patching your working attire, and supper is made for you there on the fire. Filling a bowl and then settling in, they share the day's gossip, the who, where, and when. Till all has been eaten and all has been said, and children are lovingly tucked into bed. Then sitting together, the man and his spouse snuggle and talk in the dark little house. Husband, I don't want to furrow your brow, but I must say something if you will allow. Our pantry, it echoes an empty refrain, two bags of beans, that is all that remains. I just need a melon, ripe pumpkin or squash, some oil for cooking and soap for the wash. It seems like we haven't seen money for ages. Is the day coming soon for the paying of wages? Nodding, he takes a firm hold of her hand and replies in the most assured voice that he can. Yes, we get paid at the end of this week. There should be enough for the items you seek. Then shifting his body to look in her eyes, he says, and there may be a bigger surprise. The fields are picked and the harvest is in, and much more substantial than it's ever been. The barns and the silos are filled to their tops. We've no place to put the additional crops. The rumor's been spreading some kind of reward, a gesture of thanks from the farm's overlord, that he'll give the excess to fill up our shelves, the fruits of our work we can keep for ourselves. My husband, she cried with a voice filled with joy. Oh, the meals I will cook for our girl and our boy. She wept at the thought, and he held her and led her. My wife, he confided, it only gets better. Containing his feelings as best as he could, a shipment arrived, a fine mountain of wood. I think an emotion invaded his tone. I think he is building us all brand new homes. As passions receded, the wife softly said, May blessings descend on the overlord's head. Tomorrow I'll put on my best pair of sandals, pray at the church, and light two thankful candles. Up at the mansion, a livery doorman ushered in all of the plantation's foremen. The overlord called this emergency meeting to address through the grapevine what some were repeating. Gathered and standing within the great hall, the overlord waited for silence to fall. Then tapping the end of his ivory cane, he spoke in a voice quite annoyed and constrained. I know that our barns and our silos are packed, that pallets of produce remain to be stacked. I also believe there's a burgeoning rumor that's growing and spreading around like a tumor. 
So here is my answer to both of these facts. I never let anything fall through the cracks. To stifle the planting of unfounded yarns, we're going to remove all the tops of the barns. The lumber I've bought will be used to expand, to make each barn higher, more spacious and grand. Then all of the grain that was excess before will now be contained on these new second floors. The foremen all murmured, astonishment grew. They'd hoped that the things they'd been hearing were true. New homes for the workers and sharing the yield with those who exhausted themselves in the field. Yet none found their voice to say what they desired, knowing that they would quite likely be fired. Silent, they wished their employer was wiser and not such a selfish, contemptible miser. The day of construction then came with the dawn, all workers assembled out on the front lawn. As orders were given, so grew indignation. The men understood the unfair implications. Not only were all of the rumors untrue, new houses and sharing and all that they grew, apparently it was expected that they must do all the work that will take it away. A deep-seated grumbling rose up from the crowd. We won't be a part of this, some of them vowed. The overlord motioned and shouted for quiet, determined to not let this grow into riot. If any refuse this assignment today, that man will be canned and must forfeit his pay. The overlord's threat had the force he'd predicted, for all feared starvation and being evicted. The choice is unbearable. Options are tossed, for each must consider the terrible cost. As grousing recedes and indignity skids, the men acquiesce for the sake of their kids. All right then, the overlord says with a sneer. No gripes or complaints, that's what I want to hear. Now pick up your tools and get busy, he warns, as all of the workers trudge out to the barn. Ladders and hammers, wheelbarrows and saws, the workmen are bossed without pity or pause. Roofs are removed as great peril is braved, old rafters and all of the shingles are saved. Our husband and father works high above ground, new trusses to fasten and nails to pound. Resentment pervades every movement he makes, his pride is in tatters, his dignity aches. And so, he protests in the one way he can. Taking a board and his hammer in hand, he places the plank in a gap by his knee and uses one nail where there ought to be three. This move is repeated with every board, his actions, a swipe at the cruel overlord. But what he can't know as his hammer takes aim, every man on this job site is doing the same. Soon all the barns had been shorn and redone. They look quite superb in the low autumn sun. The produce is stacked on the new second floors as the overlord closes and padlocks the doors. 
Dismissing the men now that work is completing, the foremen are brought to his house for a meeting. The overlord sits in his favorite chair, dispensing his will with a nonchalant air. Now that my harvest is stored and secured, a change in our need for hired help has occurred. Most of the men you will fire like chaff. Those few that remain, their new wage will be half. Don't question my words or debate my decisions. This isn't a do-gooding charity mission. The cuts must be deep as with cutlass or saber. I'm going to live off of the fruits of my labor. The overlord's edict had barely been spoken when all of the foremen felt tainted and broken. As this uttered irony hung in the air, they exit the mansion, quite burdened with care. That evening, the village was cold and subdued. Each man ate defeat with the supper he chewed. Our husband and wife tried to hide from their kids the missing well-being that heartache forbids. Sitting together here, how could they know tomorrow would bring a more terrible blow? The list of the men whose employment will drop, our ill-fated husband, is third from the top. Alone in his mansion, the overlord sighs. So what if he shuddered at, hated, despised? Without any family, descendants, or heirs, he worships his wealth to stave off his despair. Yet justice, unsleeping, won't tarry forever, no matter how prosperous, ruthless, or clever. A life of decisions quite rancid and stale are gathered this night to collect on a scale. So here in this castle of peon-laid stone, he's feeling a chill from his soul to his bones. A cure for his shivers no hearth can impart, for it comes from the depths of his cold, empty heart. Amidst the abundance of riches and land, he senses the reach of a judgmental hand, a call for accounting, an overdue fee, a consummate choice to surrender or flee. A feeling near panic begins to pursue him. He knows he needs something to right and renew him. He shuns intuition to drop to his knees and instead hurries over and snatches his keys. Out of the house in the dark howling wind, the night carries voices recounting his sins. Miserly, merciless, bigoted, cruel, and above all of these rise a single word, fool. Stumbling blindly along the rough trail, he seeks the one haven where he can prevail. As fury and tempest crescendo their roar, he throws himself flat on his bulging barn door. White as a sheet, as a rough stick of chalk, he fumbles to find the right key for the lock. Slamming it home, he perceives its release, praying within he'll find refuge and peace. Dusky and darkened, this cavernous room feels less sanctuary, more ominous tomb. Lighting the lantern casts shadows and veils amidst all the boxes, crates, barrels, and bales. As hastening winds batter weakening walls, he closes his ears to disparaging calls. 
Voices of emptiness, folly, and guilt invade and seep into this temple he's built. Raising his arms in a desperate measure, he shouts, bring deliverance, save me my treasure. But all of the grain, produce, harvested fruit lies silent, uninterested, mocking, and mute. The tempest cries havoc, futility reigns. When mammon is everything, nothing remains. Then all is destruction as nails release and rafters collapse in a shattering feast. Each barn in its turn felt the storm's whipping lash as one by one each went from idol to ash. These temporal tributes, yes, everything, all, lie lifeless and ruined, and great was their fall. Come morning, the men searched the buildings and grounds, but no sign of the overlord ever was found. They tarry perplexed, rubbing foreheads and cheeks, till the eldest of foremen steps forward and speaks. We all face a challenge in light of this scene and share in a chance to restore and redeem. Leaving this bounty to spoil would be wrong. Take what you need, keep your family strong. Likewise, the lumber will weather and rot if we don't remove it away from this spot. What each man can salvage, then each man can own, and use it to fix and refurbish his home. Together we'll build a new sheltering barn to store what we grow and protect it from harm. We'll plow and we'll sow, work the land as we should, so all can know freedom and share the good. So that's what they did, unified arm in arm, created a fruitful and prosperous farm. Through trial and triumph, one truth has protruded, that all are far richer when none is excluded. The lesson for them is a lesson for us. In humility, yield your treasure and trust. Rejecting success, sheathed in falsehood and guild, secure on the rock, grow your faith as you build. For a life filled with mercy is anchored in stone, eternal foundation of Jesus alone. So may we all heed his enlightening call. The unselfish harvest is the greatest of all. This story is, of course, based on Jesus' parable of the rich fool found in chapter 12 of the book of Luke. Jesus was teaching the crowds the foolishness of being rich in possessions, but not rich towards God, verse 21. It appears that it would be important for us to know what it means to be rich towards God. We need do nothing more than read the rest of the 12th chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 22. What follows is one of the most poetic and well-known sections of scripture. Jesus speaks of birds who do not sow or reap, yet God feeds and cares for them, and lilies who do not labor or spin, yet are clothed more regally than the legendary King Solomon. Being rich in God means being rich in faith, trust, and generosity, knowing that He will meet all our needs. God desires our care and compassion for the poor and needy. He chooses to bless us specifically so we can bless others. 
Being rich in God is being rich in generosity. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Luke 12, verse 34. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Bigger Barns was written and narrated by Dana Buck. Devotional Thoughts were narrated by Kim Pratt, and this episode was produced by Beneath Blue Skies Productions. So Powerful Parables is a ministry of So Powerful, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering women and girls and combating extreme poverty in the African country of Zambia. To find out more, visit our website at sopowerful.org. Also, check out our books, So Powerful Parables and We Are So Powerful, both available on Amazon. All proceeds from the sale of these books go to support the work of our ministry. And finally, check out our other podcast, The So Powerful Podcast, featuring interviews with those who have been touched by this special organization. Until next time, May your life always be filled with beautiful rhymes. <laughs>